we consistently have this battle in within us, don't we? The battle of sinful flesh against the Spirit of Christ dwelling in us. Folks, I'm here to tell you this morning, our Lord has already won that battle. I'd like to open, you to open your Bible to the 8th chapter of Romans, if you would. We sang this song just now, and I was, as I was singing along those words in the last stanza of the, of the uh, top part there, it says, Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. You know, that's true to a point. But people want to think that a dead man can get up and all of a sudden start repenting. The problem is, God had to grant me repentance before I could repent. Amen. My Lord had to give me life before I could come to Him. And each and every one of His children were running about through the world doing whatever they thought was right in their own minds, whether it be going to a religious function or going to the bar or doing whatever they were doing, dead in trespasses and sin, not even having a desire to follow the true living God. You may have been thinking you were following a God, but you had no desire to follow the living God that is represented in this book. God must give life and when he does, all of a sudden you start seeing this body of flesh and what it really is before God. Oh man, scriptures talk about where sin aboundeth, grace aboundeth more. You know what that means? It doesn't mean that you can go out and, oh, I'm going to go sin more so I can get more grace. That's not what that means at all. What that's telling us is that the more we see ourselves for what we are, the greater his grace becomes to us. It means more to me the grace of my Father because I see my, the more my body is sin, the more my flesh is nothing but sin. And it becomes a war between my flesh and my spirit. To one who has never experienced God's loving grace, it might seem that all we ever bring out in our messages here at Rescue is doom and gloom. We're that guy over in the corner who's always on his hands and knees crying out, Lord, have mercy on me. Absolutely, but God is merciful to him. And that's the good news. Amen. And my God is merciful to me. Isn't that wonderful? Why? Because his son is, had made, was victorious over my sin and my death. There's victory in Jesus. And in him alone. The true and living God. Not some wannabe God. Not some God who says... Uh, well, maybe this, maybe that. No, but a God who says, shall. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. His name will be called Jesus, for he shall save his people. It may seem like to someone outside who has never experienced grace that it's all doom and gloom. All they may hear with these ears is the beggar in the corner crying out, Lord, have mercy on me, a destitute sinner. The sin-filled flesh never being able to do anything but sin. There is no good in this flesh. I can't even trust my own feelings. This is important, folks. This is important that each sinner saved by grace must see. We see ourselves in a state of bankruptcy. We must see ourselves in that. 
We see ourselves that we always must be reminded of the awful pit that our Lord and Savior reached into and pulled us out of. But I hope God doesn't leave you with that. I hope our Lord doesn't leave you with that picture alone. You must see that picture. You must be brought to see the painfulness of what we are in the flesh before you seek the glory of God and His Son, the Lord Jesus. Because that's the only way out. That's the only salvation there is, is in Him. May God be pleased to help us never leave anyone in the frame of mind, in that frame of mind of sorrow with our message. My prayer this morning is that God would be with us and guide us and use us to bring a message of hope. A message of salvation. Salvation from the sinful state that we were all born into. A hope for our spirit. A hope that there is life. And that life is in a sure hope. Not a maybe. Not a possible. Not if you do this. Not if you do that. But a for sure hope. Not on something that I might do. But on the assurance and the sure and the perfect hope of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. A hope of salvation from the state of sin that my flesh must deal with. A perfect hope and a perfect Savior. A Savior who saves. One whose hand cannot be turned. One who is God Almighty with the power of God to every morsel of Him. <laughs> Couldn't think of a better thing. Through every, through every atom that is called the Lord Jesus Christ. You know there is a God-man sitting in heaven right now with holes in His hands and feet and His side. Sitting on His throne. Ruling over everything. Sovereign God of everything. Why is that important to a sinner? Because I need somebody who rules over it all. Don't leave something up to me. I'll mess it up. We need a perfect hope, a perfect Savior. One who saves. One whose hand cannot be turned. One who can satisfy the holy justice of God. Who can do that? Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And it is in Him, in Christ Jesus, in who He is, in His works, in His righteousness, in His sacrifice, in His resurrection, that the children of the Most High find peace between our flesh and our spirit. He is our captain. He's the one who went out before us. There's a story in the Old Testament. The Lord told Israel. Now, you know, Israel was a picture of of all of God's people throughout all of time. They were just a picture. They were used as a picture for as long as they were supposed to be used as a picture. Folks, I'm telling you, if you're if God's not going to come back and make a new a new temple in Jerusalem. He's on his throne now. He doesn't need to come back to the earth and make a throne. He's not coming back and to save all the Jews, for not all the Jews are Jerusalem. Now, there are a lot. I'm not going to say there aren't any. I'm not putting the Jewish religion or the Jewish people down in any way, but God's people are not the entire nation of Jews, of Jerusalem. God's people are throughout all the world, throughout all of time, throughout all of nations, throughout all tongues. Aren't you thankful for that? Because that means right here in rescue, some of, people, some of God's people could be. 
over there in San Mateo for that new church. Some of God's people could be. Pray for those dear folks. Keep them in your prayers. Ask that the Lord may further his word. I'm excited about that over there. I just excites me. As I told Kevin Thacker down there in San Diego, I said, Brother, I'm as excited about that as I was when you first came here to San Diego. If God is raising a man up over there, that blesses my heart. I want to see my Lord's word go out. I want to see more of his people be called out of darkness because that's my joy. That's the joy of my life that the Lord called me out of that darkness that I once walked in and shined his light in me. And that's the joy of every child of God. He is our captain. Oh, uh, back to that story. The Lord, was, the Lord sent Israel. He said, sit down. Just wait here in the camp. The enemy was in a big old huge camp against them out here on another hill and they were ready to come in and wipe out Israel. Israel was one of the smallest nations out there. There were all kinds of nations out there that were twice, three times bigger than them. And the Lord said, no, just sit, sit and relax. I got this hand. Their captain went forth made a noise in that camp and scared everybody out. And the next day, they, Israel went in and took everything that belonged to the, to the other people. And they didn't have to fight at all. Why? Because their captain fought for them. Our captain fights the battle for us. If you go in the bath, bathroom and you look in that mirror and you start seeing the sinful flesh that stands before the mirror and all you do is look at that, you're going to lose. You're going to go into desperation Turn from that and look to the Word of God where it points us to Jesus Christ, our Captain. He is our armor. I think I'll preach on that next Sunday. All the armor of God. Maybe that's a teaser. Maybe you'll show up. Maybe you won't. He is all of our strength. When you have the One that has all power in heaven and earth and under the earth as your Captain, as your armor. What else could you need? Could you, can you help it at all? No. If you just, if you just sit down and let God do what He does. <laughs> let Him take control of it. Fight the battle for you. That doesn't mean you need to give into it and just, okay, fine, I'm just going to sin all I want. No, that just means that the Lord will fight it for you. He is our strength. He is our might. He is our all in all. To those he, whom He has loved eternally, those for whom He has revealed Himself to, He is all of those things. Are you with me in Romans chapter 8? I want you to look specifically at verse 37. Now, we've read through, and I'll bet there are some of you who could quote the words of this Eight, Romans 8.28 all the way through the end of the chapter without even blinking an eye. But I want you to focus this morning on one thing. Remember, I want you to walk away today with the glory of Christ in your heart. The glory of Christ moving in you. Not that man who's just sitting over the corner crying out for mercy, because that is us, but the one who has received mercy. The one who has received the grace of God. Knowing that He has done it all for us. That it's all about our Savior. Romans 8, verse 37, we read these words. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. This is the title I'd like to bring before you this morning, the message, the subject matter. 
Turn in your Bibles, if you would, over to Isaiah chapter 40. Conquerors through Him. The word conquered means you, you are successful, superior. You've won the battle. The battle is over and you've come out victorious. There's victory in Jesus. The people of God must walk through this valley of the shadow of death on our path to our real home that's laid up in heaven. Our Savior has prepared mansions, as we sang in the song, for all of His elect. Every child of God, folks, there is not going to be an empty seat in heaven. Every child of God shall be called out of darkness. That thief on the cross was called out of darkness right there on the cross just hours before His death. Amen. That dear man who's sitting in the front room next door in the parsonage, the Lord could call him out of darkness tomorrow and he could die minutes after that and he's still going to go to heaven. Our Lord has called His people and is calling His people out of every nation, every tongue, and they must go through this battle between the flesh and the spirit. We do what we shouldn't and we don't do what we should. Every single child of God can understand what Paul wrote when he said to Timothy this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and then he says this of whom I am chief every child of God could stand up and say no you're not I am no you're not I am no you're not I am We've been brought to see our sin so that we might see the love of our God for us. Every one of His elect must be brought to an understanding in regeneration. That means, in other words, in quickening, in giving life, or bringing life to what is called a spiritually dead soul. We must be brought to the understanding that there is nothing good of this flesh. All have sinned and come short of His glory, especially me. So much so that I take no confidence in this flesh. There's no confidence in what I do. There's only confidence in my victor, in my Savior, in what He has done. We see the sin that is in our flesh and we cry out, Lord, please remove this thorn of my flesh. Please take this anger that I have away. Please take this hatred that I have for this person away. Please take this thoughts of mingling with false religions and pretending to be with them away. This thorn that bears its hole in my flesh and yet here are the words that our Lord gives. The words of grace. The words to each of us for whom He died. Peace. Be still. My grace is sufficient for thee. The Lord speaks to us in loving words through the preaching of His gospel. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified is a love letter. And folks, that's a lot of letter right there telling us about our Lord and how He loves His people. <laughs> he speaks to us in loving words through the preaching of His gospel. Speaks of us in a love letter to his bride, a love letter to the church. This is who he's speaking to. Are you in with me in Isaiah? Look at verses 
uh, Isaiah 40, look at verses 1 and 2. He says this, he says to Isaiah, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Oh, folks, I pray our Lord is speaking to you through his word this morning. If all you're hearing is the voice of John, you're going to miss it. But if God is speaking you through the truths of His Word, listen to His Word to you. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, verse 2, and cry unto her that her warfare, the battle, the battle of that sin that we deal with every day, it's accomplished. That her iniquity, do you have any iniquity? God's people are all going, yeah, that's, that's what I can say. I'm the chief of sinners. Yeah, of course I've got iniquity in me. It's all been taken care of according to God's word right here. Your warfare is accomplished that your iniquity is pardoned. All of your iniquity has been laid on your Savior. And the bitter sweetness of it is this, that I'm, it's bitter to me that my Lord has to take that upon Him. Him who is perfect, who knew no sin, who never sinned, became sin for me, for you. That's bitter. But sweet is this, that it's gone. It's paid for. Your iniquity has been pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for her sins. Oh. You got troubles going on in your life right now? I don't want to go into any details because it's none of anybody's business. But Kathy and I have troubles with things in our lives, not between the two of us, but things that are going on in the world around us. You may think, oh, what kind of troubles do they have? They live in a little house right here at the church. Everything's beautiful. There's animals eating out in front all morning long. It's just a gorgeous thing. You know, we have family. I don't know if any of you have family. Family can be troubles. I thank my God for the troubles that he's bringing my way. Do they hurt? Yes. Does it bring me to despair and I want to cry out? Yes. Lord, have mercy on us. Give me, the, give me the grace. Give me the grace to be gracious to my family as you have been gracious to me. This is how my Lord storm calms the storm. The storm is brewing in the troubles around us. And this could be anything. This could be the government that we're not happy with. This could be the county that we have to deal with. It could be the family we have. It could be the sin that disturbs even the inner being. How does our Lord calm that storm? Peace. Be still. I got a cover. I've taken that. And I've taken it for my own. And I've gone to the cross and shed my blood for it. This is what the Lord tells each and every one of us. This is what God should, is speaking to our hearts in this very words that we've just read through His Word. Your warfare is accomplished. It's done. Your iniquity is pardoned. It's not even yours anymore. You're dead to sin. 
He calms the storms of life by revealing to the hearts of His chosen people that He is God and there is no other before Him. Sovereign, ruler over every detail, every dot. All things are for His pleasure and according to His purpose. He brings peace to His people through His Word. Sinners saved by grace are sent out to speak about His grace to sinners who need His grace. This is our command. We bring the only comfort that is truly out there. That is that Christ has come and saved His people from the wrath to come. There is no other way. You cannot fight the curse of sin. When sin came into the world, God cursed all it is. Everything seen must be destroyed. It must be burned up. It must be put away. For God, for the God of all creation is holy. Perfect in every way. So holy that He cannot even look upon imperfection. The Lord of all glory through His sovereign grace made us perfect in Himself. How? How? By being made sin for us. By taking all of our iniquities upon Himself. He who knew no sin was made sin, made our sin. How? How is Christ Jesus made our sin? I've heard men try to explain that. I can't wrap my mind around that. How can a holy God be made sin? I don't know, but He says He was. How can God the Father punish God the Son who knew no sin? I don't know, but He says He did. I know this, that my Lord went to the cross and paid for those sins as though they were His own, even though He never sinned. That's what it says in His Word. And I believe His Word. And I'm thankful. Could you be anything less than thankful to know that all of our sin was laid upon Him and that our iniquities are pardoned? How can any mortal man fully understand it just as no mortal man can fully understand that how God can be three distinct persons, yet one God, we read in 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, and believed on in the world, and received up into glory. In John chapter 14, verse 9, we read these words, Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Or as we so as we know so uh, so well, the the verse in John ten thirty, I and my Father are one. How can we understand that God became flesh? I can tell you this. I may not understand it, but my Lord says, puts it this way. He says, my ways are not your way. See how he contributes? See how he encourages me not to trust in this flesh? Not to lean upon my own understanding? In fact, that's what we read in Proverbs 3, verse 5. Our, our Lord inspired uh, to write this. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Are you most miserable in this battle between flesh and spirit? He that hath an ear, let him hear this. 
In Exodus 6, verse 7, our Lord inspired the writer, Moses, to write these words. And I will take you to me for a people. And I will be to you a God. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of Egypt. You know, the burdens of Egypt was slavery, bondage. Each and every one of us were born into the slavery of sin, the bondage of sin. There was a time in each and every one of God's children's lives where sin had a hold of us and we loved it. It was what we wanted. We didn't want that purification that was with Jesus Christ. We wanted ourselves. We wanted our will. We wanted to exercise our free will and do what we thought was right when we thought was right. But God, but God who has loved us with an everlasting love would not leave His people to Himself. He came to us when we were dead and trespasses and sin and quickened us, made us alive. Gave us life. Gave us a new heart. A new heart that instead of running from Him, runs to Him. Runs to Him and rests in Him. Takes all of our cares to Him. You got a problem going on in your life? You got something going on that you don't like about yourself? Get out on your knees in the closet and talk to the Lord about it. He knows what you're going through. These are the words to His chosen, His elect, those for whom He would lay down His life for, those for whom He shed His own blood for. He says, Her iniquity is pardoned. Allow me to quote from Henry Mahan. Henry Mahan wrote this, he says, What shall I say to these people to comfort them? What is the believer's source of greatest comfort? It's the good news of the gospel. Cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, the battle is over. And thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. All of our enemies have been engaged by our captain, and they are conquered and shall soon be under our feet as they are now under His feet. The battle of sin. The battle of self. The battle of self and the, the battle of the world. And the battle of death. These are all conquered by our conquering captain. He says, Her iniquity is pardoned. All of our sins, past, present, and future, are blotted out, cleansed, atoned for. And are remembered no more. They re the, the Redeemer has redeemed us and we have no sins. We are, with his, we, we are with His spotless garments. We are wrapped in His righteousness. And we are as holy as the Son of God. Double for all her sins, it says. This is, denotes the sufficiency of His blood. In other words, His blood is so sufficient that it covers it double. And then he quotes Scripture. Henry Mann does, Where sin did overflow, grace much more overflowed. End of quote. Our warfare is accomplished. We have rest in the works of our Savior. Now turn over to Hebrews chapter 4 if you would. While you're turning there, allow me to quote from Matthew 11 verse 28 where our Lord says to us, speaking to each and every one of us, every one of His people, He says, Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your hearts. Our Lord sends out a general call to all of mankind. 
That's what it's talking about in Acts 16.31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's the general call that we give to all mankind. But who are those that will believe? Who are the whosoever that it talks about in John 3.16? They're God's elect. They're the ones that were chosen in Christ before the world ever was built. Before the world was ever even thought. It says you must be born again and life comes from God. And it comes to His elect. God comes to each and every one of His people in the day of love and with the power of God and He quickens them, makes them alive, giving life to the dead. And through the preaching of His word, they too will find rest in the Son of God. They too will come unto Him and set their labors aside. They too will come to the one who is called Jesus for he shall save his people. Many will hear the word preached, but few will believe. Look at verses 1 and 2 of Hebrews chapter 4. Let us, let us fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as to them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. That means there were a whole bunch of people who heard the gospel, the true gospel preached, but they didn't believe it. You see, faith to believe our Lord, the whosoever that believeth, can only believe with God-given faith. You're not going to muster that up on your own. You're not going to get it through reading the scripture and becoming, oh, I know all about God's word. I've read it five times. I know somebody who reminds me quite often that they've read through the book five times. Five times. And because I haven't, they know way more about God than I do. Yet they have no idea. They have no idea what the grace of God is in their lives. They still look to their works. They still look to what it is that they can bring to God to, to save them. God doesn't wait for you folks. If the Lord was to sit back and wait for any of his people, none would come to him. Our Lord has purposed everything. And everything that God has purposed is to glorify his son and save his people. John, I know I've heard this. I've heard this over and over again. Does it amaze you every time you hear it? of the grace our Lord has for you then? Are you blessed every time you hear it? Of the grace that God would have for anyone? Especially this sinner who stands before you? The word was not mixed with faith. And faith is a gift of God. It's a gift of God because if it wasn't, man would boast about it. That's what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 is talking about. Salvation is of the Lord. He is the Alpha and the Omega. We rest in His work. We rest in all of it. And we have no confidence in the flesh. We don't trust in anything of ourselves. Not even our belief. We only trust in Him. He. There is victory in Jesus. Not in us. And our trust is in His word to us. We rest in His promises. That He has a people. That He has given... That God the Father had given to him before the world was. We trust that he completely and fully saved these people by sacrificing himself for their sins to the uttermost. 
to the satisfaction of himself. That the blood that was shed on his cross was his own blood, perfect in every way, satisfying the justice of God. It paid the debt in full, and all for whom the Father gaveth him shall come to him. These are promises that cannot be thwarted. It cannot be turned. We have perfect rest in him. Look at verses 3 through 6. 3 through 6 of Hebrews chapter 4. For we which have believed do enter into rest. You know what that means? That means we stop. That means we repent. That means we turn from trying to earn our salvation. It doesn't mean we just sit back and do nothing. What it means is we put all of our trust in Him. We don't look to the right hand and see what the right hand is doing and then tell the left hand, see what the right hand is doing over there? See how good it makes you feel? No, we can only trust in our Savior. We enter into a rest, as He said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake of a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day in all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. God the Father promised God the, peop God the Son a people. And the God the Son promised to save this people. And God the Spirit had promised to those who believe to call those who believe. Jerusalem, your warfare is accomplished. It's, a fin it's finished in Him. We rest in the Son of God, the Son of the living God. Rest in finished work and the finished work of our Savior Christ Jesus. He has promised good to all who love Him, to them that are called. Turn over to Romans 8.31 and we'll close with these words. You know, I could stand up here for the next two hours and preach a good message to you. But nothing, nothing is better for my soul than these words that we read in Romans 8.31. What shall we say then to these things? We're talking about we are conquerors in Him. Everything we need is accomplished, furnished, purposed, and done by Him. And He does everything perfect. So that means we're perfect in Him. We're complete. Isn't that what Scripture says? We're complete in Him. What shall we say then to these things if God be for us? Who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son. His own beloved, perfect Son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Are you missing anything? Is there anything we don't have? I'm telling you here, folks, today, we don't know how much we got. We got everything. If he gave us his only begotten son, how shall he not give us everything else? Verse 33, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Jerusalem, your warfare is accomplished. Your iniquities have been pardoned. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. <clears throat> who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God. 
who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or, or a sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, in all those things we just spoke of, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And knowing that we are more than conquerors, more than, knowing that we have accomplished everything through Him, not through the flesh that we walk in, but through Him, we can read these next words in a very personal way. Are you persuaded? Has God persuaded you through the preaching of His Word that you are a conqueror of all things in Him? For I am persuaded neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us, shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In the book of John, I believe it is, our Lord says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And he, how could I forget this one? And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. We're talking about our conqueror. Can anything separate us from the love of God which is in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ? That's not what our Lord says right here in John chapter 10, verse Verse 28, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Now is that assurance? I can tell you that if you're a child of the true and living God, not by something that you have done, but because of the love that our Lord has for His people, if you're a child of the true and living God, you can take these words to the bank. To the bank. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. Out of my Father's hand, I and my Father are one. Folks, we have a conqueror. We have a conqueror who never has lost any battle. And never will lose any battle. That's how we sing that song, Victory in Jesus. Would you stand with me please?